0: Hostile, audacious, predatory. Words used to describe a $5.4 billion bid by Australia's largest pension fund to buy the New Zealand share market darling, Infratil. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today on The Detail, should we be fighting to stop the company falling into foreign hands?
1: These are strategic assets. If you think that this deal just won't become political, that politicians won't raise questions about Wellington Airport being Sold to Australians, I think that's perhaps a little bit naive. If you have your home broadband with Vodafone.
0: Vodafone New Zealand is just one of many Infratil assets. It has a half share in that one, two thirds of Wellington Airport, more than half of Trust Power, and much more. And through KiwiSaver, many thousands of us have a stake in Infratil. If it is sold, not only will those key assets go to foreign owners, their profits will flow offshore as well. So when news of the surprise offer by the $200 billion Australian super on December the 8th broke, it not only sent the share price sky high, it sparked talk that New Zealand is once again selling the family silver.
1: This was absolutely the big business news of the day and all kicked off last night really when Australia's largest superannuation fund, that's Australian Super, they went public with its audacious bid to take over full ownership of Infertil.
0: Here's Infertil CEO, Marco Bogoyevsky's response.
1: We will look at any asset, any idea, any proposal that maximises shareholder value at any time, if it makes sense. In this case it doesn't.
0: The $7.43-a-share offer's been rejected, but the battle's not over. Tomorrow it will be in the spotlight at Infratil's annual Investor Day when the company talks about the value of its assets and investors mull over just what price they would sell at. So let's try and make sense of the offer and Super's tactics to try to drag Infratil to the table by getting on side with the big investors – I'm talking to Hamish Rutherford, NZME's Wellington business editor.
1: Well, at a basic level, it's just a press release that was put out on December 8. Australian Super announced to the world on the evening that they were launching a bid to buy Infratil. Australia Super is Australia's largest pension provider. Infratil was a collection of infrastructure assets, Wellington Airport, Vodafone, New Zealand, Trustpower and the like and they've said they want to buy it, and, and the offer adds up to about $5.4 billion. That is in two parts. It's about $5.39 in cash and about a fifth of a share in Trustpower because Infertile owns a majority of Trustpower, but Australian Super doesn't want to buy Trustpower. So Infertile shareholders would really be just have their stake in Trustpower that they indirectly own distributed to them. I guess Australian Super probably doesn't want the complication of buying an electricity business. Infratil immediately came out and said, you know, this is too low, this undervalues the assets.
0: But what emerged the day after Australian Super sent that press release is that it had approached the company board before. Here's Bogoyevsky.
1: All that's happened really is we've got a letter from an Australian superannuation fund saying they're interested in talking to the board about a scheme of arrangement, which does require board support. And the start of that process is a price that is unrealistically low from our perspective. So there's no reason to talk to anyone who just fires off a letter to you with a number that doesn't make sense.
0: A press release was issued. Was that just out of the blue? I mean, was there any expectation of this at all?
1: Well, if there were rumours going around, I hadn't heard about it. Um, Infertile had been, like a lot of shares on the New Zealand share market, been rising strongly since earlier in the year. Um, It it is a company that's very strongly performing. And so, I mean, when you're a a company that's listed on the share market, you're really for sale at any time. So I guess you could say it's not a, with hindsight, it's not a complete surprise, but um, it's certainly a very... uh, you know, rather audacious offer, and the way it came out was kind of interesting as well. Because, of course, Australian Super put out a press release confirming that they were interested in buying, and they wanted InfraTil to engage with them, basically open up their books. To do that is um, that that is unusual for it to become public like that. I mean, if you ask what is the definition of a a, a hostile approach, the definition is that you when you want to buy a company, you go directly to their shareholders without getting approval of the board of directors of that company. Now That doesn't mean Australian Super is, you know, I'm sure they're all nice people. Hmm. But, but, but to go directly to the shareholders without having the blessing uh, of Infertil's board, and apparently without even warning them that they were going to do them, the, the, the Infertile announcement says that they had learned that Australian Super had made the approach offer. It really is quite a... Uh, quite a hostile approach and um, I described it as such and no one from <laughs> Australia Super has tried to tell me that it's that, that was wrong.
0: And when you say that in that initial statement Australian Super said they wanted infratil to open up their box, what does that actually mean?
1: Infratil, as I say, is a share market listed company. They disclose a lot of their financial results as, as they have to and they do for their, their subsidiary companies. But to really get an idea of how the business runs, what its potential is, what the problems could be. You really like to get inside, look at the books, look at the financial records in, in complete detail. Um and and, and so that's what they, they want. The the offer they made is non-binding and indicative. They s- said, you know, standing from a distance of across the Tasman, we think the business could be worth this much. It's not binding, but we want to come in and have a really close look. And so that is what they're after. Risks come with that, with InfraTil, because if you let a potential buyer, member Australian Super is another company that's bidding for infrastructure assets, just like InfraTil does. If you let them in, you you give away a lot of commercially sensitive information. So it's not a move that they would make lightly. And indeed, they've said no way.
0: The thing is, though, why should we care about InfraTil? Why has such a big deal been made of this uh, hostile? offer or would you call it a hostile takeover bid?
1: I don't think in the end of, if it progresses it will turn out to be hostile but this is the way it started. There was a few letters exchange and Australian super has gone public saying that they were making an offer. That bit for now is hostile. If it progresses it's probably likely to be more cooperative but that would be if Infratil's shareholders more or less told the company to, to engage in them. Why should we care Infratil is a very unusual sort of entity. It's a it's a company, but it's not a company like many companies in that it doesn't really have any employees. It's a fund that's managed by an investment bank, Morrison & Co., which is based in Wellington. The assets that it owns are, are, are very valuable, very strategic assets, a majority stake in Trustpower, a majority stake in uh, Wellington Airport, about half of Vodafone New Zealand. Uh, they jointly own a wind farm development company in New Zealand and Australia, Tilt Renewables. These are valuable uh, strategic assets. It's hard to get a collection of assets like this, and so that is what the importance of it is.
0: And in terms of shareholders, a lot of us would have a stake in infertil. It might be a tiny stake, but it is a stake in Tilt through our KiwiSaver Plans?
1: Absolutely, everyone will. There's about 720 million infertile shares. There's a few institutional investors like ACC. They own about 6%, but yes, just about everyone's KiwiSaver fund will have it and, and many, many thousands of New Zealanders who have their own share portfolios, well, many of them will also have shares in Infatil.
0: So we should care at at that level. But also what you're saying is that we should care because these are, well, as Fran O'Sullivan, your colleague said, Mm. this is key New Zealand infrastructure. So there is a national interest here. She called Australian super a predator. And these are uh, assets that shouldn't go into foreign hands. And if it was China making this bid, there would be hell to pay.
1: That is absolutely true. I mean, probably the most strategic asset, if you think about it, you know, is, is trust power. And that's part of the business they are not buying. They're, they're distributing off that off to infertile shareholders. And I think they're doing that because... It's a, it's an electricity generation business. It would be very politically difficult to have a takeover of that, and they may also decide that's not part of the business that they want. Wellington Airport, it's infrastructure that is key to Wellington and key to much of New Zealand. It has a strategic value, and you know, once it's sold, it you know you may never get it back.
0: And I suppose we should also point out that you can have a stake in infratil through shares, maybe through your KiwiSaver, or you know, you can just buy the shares outright. Um, but there are also bonds. So can you explain that?
1: So as well as having shares, and both InfraTil and some of its subsidiary companies sell a lot of bonds off to the market. If Wellington Airport needs, I don't know, three hundred million dollars, they can either go to the bank and borrow it, or they can offer to sell bonds on the stock exchange. And that's just a, a loan that you buy in parcels of say five or ten thousand dollars each, and they promise to provide you with a regular um, income stream in, in terms of interest. Across the companies between TrustPower, Wellington Airport, and Infratil, they sell billions of dollars worth of bonds on the NZX. So it's a company that has a, uh, a very deep and wide impact on the New Zealand Stock Exchange in terms of the different products that it offers. And chances are, as well as having Infratil shares in your KiwiSaver, you might also have some of their bonds.
0: If Australian Super is successful, or indeed there is another bidder has popped up, is that correct this year?
1: there There are rumours that another Australian company is making an offer, but um you know until we actually see a proper offer land, we we don't know.
0: Anyway, if Australian Super is successful or another bidder comes through and is successful, then Infratil disappears from the New Zealand stock market.
1: Yes, if they take it over, it would disappear, probably. I mean, we haven't seen the offer, but that's likely to be what they would do. They would buy up all the shares. They'd need to make an offer to buy all of the company, and and that company would effectively cease to exist.
0: And so that means that New Zealanders no longer have a stake in these assets?
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, of course, billions of dollars in that case would be returned to New Zealand shareholders, and it would then be a question of what do they do with that money? And if the people at Infratil at Morrison & Co., the investment bank, run it, if they then decided to turn around and say we're launching another fund to invest in infrastructure again or a slightly different fund, you probably have a lot of shareholders, a lot of fund managers and so on with money um, you know, more or less sitting around, and, and so they may start up another company. But they may not. They may opt to do something else.
0: What's been the reaction to this offer
1: I would think broadly overall, I mean, you've mentioned Fran Sullivan's comment, another one of my colleagues, Liam Dan, you know, said on the day, tell them they're dreaming. I think the bid is so audacious and it's been rejected. I think broadly the reaction is that this won't be good enough.
0: Institutional investors with shares in utilities owner Infratil are starting to line up on opposing sides in the opening scenes of what might be a protracted tussle for control of the company.
1: Forsyth Bar, one of the big broking houses, which has... You know, private clients right across the country. Their managing director has said that it's too low. A couple of other fund managers have said the same thing. Fisher Funds, which also holds more than five percent, is backing InfraTil's rejection. Senior portfolio manager Sam Dickey says InfraTil's been delivering
0: eighteen percent annual growth to shareholders since its foundation in the mid nineties, and the bid doesn't reflect that, let alone the future.
1: Look, I, I do think it's a low ball bid. It's a balancing act, isn't it? You don't you don't engage with every low ball bid let's see what Australians Australian super come back with. If the there was a materially higher bid there, I think it would be worth engaging with. ACC, on the other hand, very quickly came out of the blocks and said this kind of offer is not too far away from where the, they should start talking.
0: For ACC, which owns close to 6%, the offer's worth at least sitting at the table and talking. Infratil's chief executive, Marco Bogoyevsky, sees why some might want to pursue a bid and others not.
1: If you're a fund manager and you're underperformed your market benchmarks, it's really tempting to take a short term hit like this as a as a near term positive to improve your performance. So, you know, it's not surprising you have a diversion. Another shareholder has said to me that even if the offer isn't good enough that they believe that Infratil should be prepared to engage. So but I think um, the reaction broadly would be if this offer is going to get over the line, and I'm not saying it will, it w- that it would have to be improved and, and possibly improved significantly.
0: And I think it was Fran O'Sullivan again who suggested that is this the point that New Zealand Super steps in?
1: Well, that's possible. New Zealand Super's pockets are, you know, very deep. Interestingly, New Zealand Super. Uh, is already in a number of partnerships with Infratil and with Morrison & Co, the bank behind it, so that would end up sort of going from being on one side of the table to on both sides of the table. Also, New Zealand Super, there's a question about how much they want to invest in New Zealand. Of course, because they're looking to cover our future pension funds, they have a responsibility to have a, you know, a large proportion of their money outside of the country started in 1994 by Lloyd Morrison and he's a New Zealander and it's always had this ethos as the little Kiwi company that could and by most accounts it has it truly is one of the big dogs on the NZX this is a top 10 stock.
0: So exactly how has this little Kiwi company become as RNZ's Nicholas Poynton says a big dog of the NZX?
1: It is a fascinating story as I said Infratil, as I understand it, doesn't have any employees. It, it has a board of directors. But the, the people who you would think work at Infratil actually work at a bank called Morrison & Company, an investment bank started by the late Lloyd Morrison. He was um, an investment banker in New Zealand in the 1980s, really. the I guess the heyday of banking in New Zealand apparently vowed that he was going to own a Learjet by the time he was 30 um had a bit of a mixed start to his career the one of the first companies he ran was sold from underneath him really as a, as a result of some of the turmoil in the 1980s uh, lived in london for a while came back to new zealand to form um uh, morrison and co an investment bank which he started under his own name in 1988 on the 8th of the 8th of 1988, uh, something that they still mention on their website. It seems like even back then, Lloyd Morrison eight, of course, is a lucky number in China. He had you know, sense of theatre. He <laughs> wanted to be uh, you know, attractive to international investors. Um, of course, the late 80s and the early 90s was a period where there were a lot of infrastructure assets for sale, privatisation of transport assets, of electricity assets, and so on. And Infratil came about partly because Morrison & Co just couldn't kind of, as it were, sort of foot it with the bigger companies. They attempted to buy New Zealand Rail in the early 1990s. Um, according to legend, they had the highest offer, uh, submitted the highest bid to Treasury, but Treasury wasn't convinced that their finance was secure. And so instead of accepting the highest offer from Morrison & Co, they uh, sold New Zealand Rail to uh, Faye Richwhite, another, uh, even higher profile New Zealand investment bank of the 1980s. Now, as a result of that, Morrison apparently hatched a plan that they needed a fund of their own. This wasn't a company that right from day one you could see was going to turn into you know, a major part of the New Zealand capital markets. If you flip forward, what, 15 or 20 years, they eventually took a, a majority stake in trust power. They managed to buy two-thirds of Wellington Airport. By 2010, they had bought the New Zealand downstream assets of Shell, which is, which they rebranded as uh, Z Energy. They, they bought that company in conjunction with New Zealand Super. That was a spectacularly successful deal. By the time they sold out five years later, they'd made about a billion dollars. On their original investment in 2010, they made something like $3 million a week every week for the time that they owned it. When Lloyd Morrison he was eventually diagnosed with cancer, um, would would die in 2012, and John Key spoke at his funeral. He, by that time, he had become really one of the most famous businessmen in New Zealand.
0: A leading Wellington businessman, Lloyd Morrison, has died following a long battle with leukaemia. Mr Morrison founded the infrastructure investor Infratil, but his death at the age of 54 is also being mourned in the arts world and on the football pitch
1: he ran an unsuccessful but high-profile campaign to change the New Zealand flag long before John Key got involved. He was very strong on making sure that the New Zealand Stock Exchange stayed in New Zealand hands. The New Zealand Stock Exchange building in Wellington to this day still flies the flag that Lloyd Morrison wanted to be the New Zealand flag. It's a sleek silver fern. Mm. Um, He came out strongly against Uh, a proposed alliance between Qantas and Air New Zealand because he said it would be bad for competition. Of course, it might have been bad for Wellington Airport as well, but, um, you know, so he was a real high-profile figure, well-known snappy dresser and and tremendously successful.
0: So I guess there's, I don't know, is it irony that, um, you know, he fought for the New Zealand Stock Exchange and yet if this offer goes through, then the Stock Exchange would be, I guess, diminished if if it loses Infratil,
1: I I wouldn't want to overstate it, but it would be diminished. It has a lot of products and it has a company based across the road that is constantly buying and selling assets. And many of those assets are international and so they would never come to the New Zealand Stock Exchange. But if you ask me if Infratil was to last another 10 years, would it likely buy New Zealand assets and float them? Yes, it probably would. Will it? offer more bonds for sale to retail investors? Yes, it would. And the returns through Infertile. So yes, the New Zealand Stock Exchange would be diminished.
0: And the thing is that we're hearing a lot of that side of the story, you know, that it would be not good for New Zealand if Australian super is successful. But... Australian Superfund is also kind of lobbying, it's trying to put its side
1: of the story. I have to admit that's not a loop that I'm directly tied into. I mean, you could look at the timing they put out their statement on the evening of December 8. Um, within an hour or two, one of the senior figures at ACC, Blair Cooper, had put out a statement or, or, or had spoken saying that, you know, perhaps this was a level that Infertil should start opening their books up at. You know, ACC doesn't often engage in takeover bids like this, so seems like that it was um, certainly someone new to call them.
0: So what are the scenarios?
1: Well, there's a few scenarios. I mean, this could just all go away. No one has actually tabled a genuine offer, and so Infertil has not opened up its books. They may come back with an improved offer that... Uh, that is enough for the Infratil board, that they may recommend a deal, and so then the deal would be put to shareholders. But these are strategic assets. If you think that this deal just won't become political, that politicians won't raise questions about Wellington Airport being sold to Australians, I think that's perhaps a little bit naive. But you know, if they can cross that hurdle, and, and I think that's a big if, because certainly... When assets like this have been sold in the past, if you think back to the you know the mixed ownership model, the flotations of the the electricity companies by the former national government in you two thousand and tens you know they became terribly political process. But from the point of view of Infertil, if a bid comes in and it's it's good enough, so it was above eight or above nine dollars a share, in Infertil, then they would have a fiduciary duty to consider it and consider whether it was in the best interest and consider whether, you know, Morrison and Company and Infertil could do better with the assets, owning them themselves, and they may have to recommend it to shareholders.
0: Right, if New Zealanders feel so strongly about it, I mean. Can we really put up a fight? You say that this is the potential to become political. Could it end up in Grant Robertson's hands?
1: The Australians may say under closer economic relations rules that they have a right to buy these assets, that it's different if it's a Canadian or a Chinese buyer. It's hard to believe that if the government opposed it, that the Australians are really going to march in and push through and enforce their rights if it became political. So... I think it has the potential to become political, and rather than you know Grant Robertson or Jacinda Ardern signing an order to say this asset can't be sold, I think if they if they really decided to oppose it, that they could stop it. Now it won't be as simple as that because of course they you know New Zealand needs foreign investment coming in, and, and if if you're not prepared to to sell your assets to a big long-term infrastructure investor like Australian Super, then it may send a message that New Zealand's closed for Mm. offshore investment. So it wouldn't be as simple as just, you know, let's just save it, but it certainly has the potential to become political.
0: And if Australian super or another offshore buyer is successful, it'll still have to go through the national interest test of the Overseas Investment Office. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Hamish Rutherford. Mā te wa.